0: I'm Alex Del Ciro. I'm Alex Del Ciro. I'm Alex Del Ciro, And we have, we have just Jesse. Eddie. It's Eddie Sauer. Needed to France. Eric Marie. It's Mahe Drysdale. It is Sir Matthew Henson. Thank you for being here. I'm Alex Del Ciro's Choice. And this is another podcast uh, episode. We're, we're season four, episode five. And we've already done four IRA coaches. We're moving into the fifth. This guy's been around a long time. Been around a long time. A lot of success in his career. But before we get started, I want to tell you a story. So I made the wrong decision. I went somewhere else. I went to the wrong place. I went to Marietta College my first year. Okay, this is 2004, 2005, and who, who I thought was the greatest man on earth walked on water. I still call him coach today. That's Coach Van Carey. He he gets kicked out of Marietta. Everyone knows the story. I'm not going to get into it, but uh. I get a phone call and uh, my best friend, Joe DeLeo says, I need you to come to GW. And I was like, I just, I don't know. And Van Kerry made one phone call. He made it to this man that I'm talking to and said, I got a stud, I got a stud for you. I think you should consider it. So uh, I pack up, I put on my jacket, I fly up to Syracuse, New York, and we get hit with nine inches of snow in one night. Okay. And I get to watch the men, orange men, do an erg I talked to coach Reichman we have a great time I brought my buddy Justin Callahan you all know who he is and uh, we looked at each other at the end and we're like this is the place to go and I didn't go there I had to re- I had to regrettably call him and say coach Reichman I've decided to go to GW and guess what I love Greg Meyer but I made the wrong decision I should have went to Syracuse I know I would have had a great time we may not have won the IRA I know we wouldn't have but It is the one regret I have, and everyone listening in on this, and some of those juniors out there, choosing the right college is one of the hardest decisions you can make as an 18-year-old person. You don't know what you're doing. You have no idea what you're doing. And I should have listened to my gut, and I didn't. I got Dave Reichman. He's been at Syracuse for 21 years. He's been coaching since 1987. Coach, thanks for being here.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Alex. And uh, you'll be surprised to note that uh, it's not the first time nine inches of snow have sort of self-selected uh, the people who come to Syracuse. So, uh, you know, you you had, uh, and I agree with you on both uh, Coach Ban Carey and uh, Coach Meyer, two of uh, two of my favorite people in the sport. They Coach know what Meyer they're doing. I go back a long way.
0: Yeah, and 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 uh, Carey, I mean, cry many. I talked to that guy all the time you know we, we mm. stay in touch and uh you know Dave he's Good the man. only guy I still call coach uh he made such an impact on me and he told me to go to Syracuse he said go there you need to go mm. there and I just I I went the other way because I had my two best friends at GW yeah. and I just like I gotta go there um I think you and I could have been something great together <laughs> all right all right
1: well never know
0: I guess you know you, you gotta know. listen so- to
1: your elders and
0: that's what i need to do and that's the that's the topic uh for, for for future but i want to get into it so i ask the same question every time how
1: old were you and where were you when you took that first rowing stroke uh i was a, a junior in college believe it or not uh at gonzaga university uh this is a true story it sounds corny as hell and i don't share it often i uh it was my junior year uh always been involved in athletics had some injuries in high school a couple of concussions so it kept me out and, uh, you know, turns out uh, so the rowing team started uh, my freshman year there. I knew the president of it. Uh, he tried to get me to join. He was the RA of my dorm. And I said no. And fall of my junior year, I'm, uh, I read something in the paper about the rowing team having a home meet. This was a Thursday night. Uh, and I swear to God, this is true. I had a dream where I was rowing that night. What? Uh, Yeah. Like I said, nobody believes it. (laughs) Make it for what you will. Uh, And I went to the, they had a home regatta that Saturday. Uh, I went to the regatta. I asked them if I could join. And they said, no, I couldn't join till January. Uh, But I could use their rowing machine. They had one rowing machine. It was an old Model A with the wooden handle and the speedometer and the paddles on it. Love it. And so I think I, I, you know, did something crazy like road for, uh, you know, it was mileage. And uh, a mile was roughly 2000 meters when they converted over. And I think I would do four miles every evening. So the equivalent of a 2000 meter piece. And uh, I thought I was really doing work, right? I thought I was, man, I was rowing this machine for a long time.
0: (laughs) (sighs) little did you know uh that is awesome wow
1: okay so you had a dream that you were rowing you didn't know what rowing was I I mean I grew up on a river in in Washington State so I you know I knew what a rowboat was I guess but it you know growing up north of Seattle like when I was in high school I remember uh Dick Erickson longtime Husky coach uh would take his team over to the Nile River uh, for a regatta over there and como radio out of seattle am because that my dad was a big am radio guy and we'd get live reports of uh, dick erickson rowing on the nile with this husky cruise uh so, so i kind of vaguely knew what it was uh but wow. not really so this is uh let me get is this
0: like 1984 83 that you
1: you yeah. you you find it yeah uh i did 85, I guess. Yeah. My so you
0: graduated, you graduated 86. Is that when you graduated? I graduated
1: college? 80. Yeah. So it would have been 86.
0: I graduated 87. Okay. Got it. I, you know, I'm, a, I'm a stickler for you. time. I, yeah, I, I need, I just need to know years, you know, cause I, I, I I'm really interested in, in like a lot of the college coaches and, and high school coaches today. I want to know what era they grew up in and what sort of was surrounding them at that time. You know, what were the influences? Who were the coaches that they looked up to? um all right so you row your junior year you get in there you had this dream were you at all competitive your senior year I mean were you any good did you make the
1: varsity eight no well you know okay so when I rode there Gonzaga was a club program right and this is like the third year of the club uh I, I think I got thrown uh into the varsity lightweight eight um and, you know, club rowing, you row both sides. I think my senior year, I figured out I rowed both sides of the boat every seat at one point or another. Um, but it, it was a small program. You know, uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I love the people. But from an athletic standpoint, it was a little frustrating. Uh, we had uh, a guy, um, Father Mike Sicanolfi, who, uh, who was a referee later, but he was an English professor that started the club and wasn't really a coach. Uh, he would keep uh, keep all the boats together, everything from the varsity lightweights to the novice women had to be within 200 meters of the coaching launch. Oh, man, so stupid. it was literally 20 strokes and stop. Uh, and then every day on the way home, we'd do like one piece, right? A 2,000 meter piece. And I was like, I think there's something more to this sport, right? It just it could be more than what what we're doing here. Wow. Okay.
0: So, all right. That's interesting. Now, I, I'm I'm excited to get to like how you got to where you are today. So, our, in all these interviews, um, we we drill into you know, your first stroke to where you are today, and we we speed it up because there's some more topics that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um. So, you, I do know that you 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 get a job on the East Coast. So you you go you go you fly all the way out to Harvard, and you get a you get an assistant freshman type position at Harvard. Walk us through that period of your life. So from, from
1: barely finding rowing to then coaching rowing, what, 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 what was going on then? Long story short, I, uh, I was a computer science major. I was working on a grant uh, with a professor. Uh, it was through NASA. We were designing an operations language for uh, for the new space station they were designing. In, hold, on, in hold, a- on. Coach Reichman, hold on, hold on. Coach Rushman, hold on, hold on. Yeah, I did. A
0: NASA computer engineer? Are you kidding me?
1: I I I was just a student programmer for a professor. There were three of (laughs) us, and the professor was the brains behind the operation. He was brilliant. Uh, But anyway, uh, NASA renewed the grant. They were excited about the project. They renewed the grant, so I was going to stick around Gonzaga for a fifth year, not take classes, and work on this cool space station operations language. Right. And, and NASA was, was excited. And the guy that came out said, you know, Hey, you know, we would hire you guys to work on this if you keep doing good work. So I got a call two days before graduation and they said, Congress cut the, our funding, we're cutting the project and I didn't have a job. So I looked in uh, the old American rowing magazine and I saw an ad for coaches at community rowing in Boston. This is when they first made the move up to that old uh, wooden building. In fact, yeah. the, they, they hired me. I talked to Tom Tiffany and he said, well, I'm a Minnesota farm boy. I need, I, I need more farm boys around here. So you're hired. So I sold my car and bought a plane ticket. Uh, I stayed with Tom during the summer uh, and I coached at community rowing and, and uh, Tom, the end of the summer, August, I was getting ready to go back and apply for computer jobs. And Tom walked up to me and said, I got your next coaching job. And I said, I am not a coach. I'm a computer guy. I'm going to go back and be a computer scientist. And uh, he looked at me and laughed and said, no, you're, you're a rowing coach. You just don't know it yet. Uh, and he yeah, said the internship, he said the internships open down at Harvard go talk to Harry Parker. And I'm, you know, like I'm at a Gonzaga club program. I said, who's Harry Parker, right? (laughs) Uh, And and he kind of laughed. And and so I went down, I knocked on the door and this old guy uh, answers the door. And I said, I'm supposed to come talk to Harry Parker. And he said, well, I'm Harry Parker. We went out on the the porch at Newell and talked. And at the end of the conversation, he said, well, I'm going to offer you the job. And there's two reasons why. He said, number one, I've noticed since you've been coaching at community rowing, the boats are doing a better job of following the traffic pattern on the river. And number two, I've always had good success with Western farm boys.
0: Dude. Who knew? What a cool story. Who knew? That's so interesting. So, I mean, he wasn't blowing smoke up your butt, right? Like he actually was watching you and the traffic patterns. Like that actually was. Do you really he, think you tell uh, the yeah, truth there? That was
1: sort of his thing. He liked coaches that that you know did what they were supposed to do. Wow. He took it pretty seriously. Can you can you like can you think back to that?
0: Obviously that that interview made an impact on you. I and mean, what are some of the things you talked about in
1: the interview? Did was
0: it about rowing or was it just about life?
1: No, nah, I think it was very little about rowing. I I think uh you know, it, it, it was a little about rowing. He asked about my experiences, uh, you know, and, and why. I was pretty honest with him. I said most of my athletic experience was in other sports. You know, I did the typical football, wrestling, track and field sort of thing through high school. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was sort of weird. I mean, I guess I had a vague notion that I, I, I knew Harvard was Harvard, right? In rowing, sure, everybody sure. knew that. Uh I, I, I guess I'd heard the name Harry Parker. I knew they had a pretty good coach, but I didn't know. And it probably helped me. Right. Because I didn't know the mystery around the guy. Right. I didn't know at that time uh, as he got older, he sort of mellowed a lot. But at that time, he was seen as this mythical figure. And I think he enjoyed the fact that I was kind of naive about you know the whole rowing scene back east, but I was pretty eager. And Tom told him that I think that I was a hard worker, and I think that was enough for Harry. Right? He he wanted somebody that was going to dig in and, and devote themselves to the craft.
0: There was, I mean, there was that was a string of very successful years Harvard had in the late '80s. I mean, they, they were a dominating force, and you were around three that in a row. Day. Yeah. So
1: I, I'm sitting there thinking, my first year, I, I drove. I don't know if you remember Everett Abbott. He was the longtime boatman there. And I, I I drove out to Cincinnati where the old national championship used to be in Harvard won. And I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, this is my first year in collegiate rowing and I'm driving the the boats back with Everett. And I'm thinking, okay, this is pretty cool. You know, it's
0: more (laughs) than cool. And it clearly, it clearly caught your attention. All right. So what about the conversation with mom and dad? I mean, um, I was never smart enough to be a computer science engineer type person, and uh, I sort of created my own path. And here you are, right, creating your own path. Did you did you have a lot of
1: uh, support from mom and dad back home about saying, "Hey, I'm going to go coach crew"? Yeah, you know, my parents. I, I grew up on a small, you know, sort of family subsistence type farm, and and nobody in my uh, Nobody in my family went to college. I had uh, you know four kids there were four kids in the family and my parents didn't go to college my siblings didn't go to college so I, I think they were at this point they were used to uh, you know me being the the guy who kind of did his own thing and and you know traveled a different path so to speak than the rest of my family and I love them dearly and I thank them for this. Uh, my mom's still alive, and I thank her for this. You know, their their attitude was, we gave it our best shot for 18 years. You hit 18, <laughs> like you're on your own. You know, you good need luck. to ask us questions, we're here, but good luck to you. you know, I love that. So it was good. Now, uh, how long were you at Harvard for? Just one year. Yeah, it was just an internship. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, Harry actually, at the end of the season, we we had a talk and you know, I took tons of notes from that time and drove Harry nuts with questions. Um, and uh, he uh, we had a talk, and I said, Well, you know, I, I've got a lot of thoughts in my head. And he said, Well, if you want to stay a second year, we'd love to have you. Uh, it tends to make more sense, the pieces fall into place and whatnot. And and I thought about it, I talked to quite a few people, uh, you know, Charlie, my good friend Charlie, but we we became good friends uh, over a spaghetti lunch, something that I'll tell you about sometime. But, um, you know, uh, yeah, I I thought I had a lot of ideas and I learned by doing, right? So I thought I needed to to apply this information that was bouncing around my head. So I accepted the freshman position down at FIT. Yeah, Uh,
0: well, FIT is a... It's it's a it's a tragedy what's going on down there in Florida. Yeah, that was uh, tough to swallow, and it is for anybody involved, uh, especially. And and you were there. Um, you know that's a that's an interesting program too. There was success. I mean, FIT has had success for quite literally decades, uh, and yeah. it's like this quiet little program down there.
1: Uh, a program power. that
0: I had I had been intimately tied to. I mean, I um I had applied for that that. That school uh before, uh, didn't chose not to go. So, what was that experience like down in Florida for you?
1: Uh, it was eye-opening, right? I I had uh, I I was a freshman coach, mainly novices, a few experienced kids. Uh recruited, uh, we had five eights of freshmen through the fall. Uh what? it was hilarious. My my fifth eight. I don't know. You probably don't remember this, but back in the '70s and '80s, there was a national push to to make the national speed limit 55, right? And the the ad campaign was "Drive 55 because speed kills." Uh, So my fifth boat adopted that as their motto in in sort of a fun, you know, (laughs) way. They "speed kills," you know. They thought that was cool. How did Um, you get five eighths of freshmen? Uh, it turns out in Melbourne, Florida, there's not a lot to do. Uh, you know, so yeah, we carried five, we carried three through the spring. Uh, we had to let some kids go. Cause it was just with one coach. I was, it was just too much. Um, you know, interesting story. So at the time I was like, well, I have this computer science degree. I better, I better figure out, now, before I get too far down this road, what I want to do. So I, I took a part-time job for four hours a day, uh, strangely enough, with a company called Integrated Software uh, that was doing NASA contracts uh, and and worked for them for that year. And, you know, trying to make the decision, am I in this thing as a coach or am I going to go back into computer science? And I found... Uh, When I was sitting at my desk, you know, trying to get computer work done, I was thinking lineups and workouts and all that type of stuff. And when I was coaching, I definitely wasn't thinking about computer problems. So, uh, that set the path.
0: All right. So it sets the path. So how long are you in Florida for?
1: Just one year. Uh, I mean, that's pretty not, that's not typical what you're doing. No, it isn't. Yeah, it, it wasn't. And, and I, uh, love the guys I coach, uh, Steve Fleur was a head coach down there at the time and, and, uh, you know, learned a lot from him, uh, you know, felt the need to, to, to move back to the Northwest. And, uh, I got a call, uh, from the guy who had been coaching the club at Gonzaga and they had a plan to, uh, I met him a couple of years earlier, uh, at, uh, at a U.S. rowing convention when it was in Boston when I was there and, and uh, said they were going to make it a varsity sport and asked me if I was interested in coming out to do that. So
0: so this is like 1989, yeah. 18, like
1: 1989? Yeah,
0: 89. Uh, yeah, 80, 88, 89. Yeah, 80, 89. Uh, well, that's an, obvious, that's an easy decision for you to make, right? That's, it's going back home. It's going close to, to, to home. And how long are you out back there now? So how long are you stationed at Gonzaga? Five years. Yeah, I was head coach there for five years. What was uh What was the the biggest successful year? What was like? What was uh
1: You know, think back. We uh, actually one year we made the petites at the IRA, Uh, finished fifth, I think, eleventh overall. That's not bad for a a program that was brand new at the the varsity level. You know, I gotta say, when I when I took over the program, there were actually Jerry Johnson had done a good job. There were some good athletes there. Uh, yeah. All right, it, so I'm, uh, I'm
0: I'm just I'm just building I'm building I'm building the web here. I'm trying to like so you're there for five years. So you're getting in like the '94 era. I know you started Syracuse like 2001, 2002. Uh, so what's that gap? What's those seven years between Gonzaga and Syracuse? Uh, eight years. Uh, I went to Oregon State. Oregon State, another strong program. What drew you to Oregon after five years
1: at Gonzaga? Um, I, I, I'd i raced against them for the five years I was at Gonzaga. Uh, we they had probably 50-50 success against them, beat them a few times. They beat us a few times. Uh, you know, seemed like, uh, and it was. Uh, I have a lot of fond memories of that place, Uh you know my type of place Corvallis Oregon I'm a farm boy farm country ag school um you know i i uh so i while i was first couple of years at uh, at Oregon state i i got to tell a, a quick steve gladstone story he was a at, at the time and and uh i uh was having a talk about steve and in, in You know, he was like, oh, Oregon State, you can be really successful there. You know, it's a rather agrarian community, right? Steve's famous for his SAT words, right? (laughs) Agrarian community. Well, yep. (laughs) That
0: was the single best Steve Gladstone impersonation I have ever heard. That actually is spot on. Good job on that one.
1: Well, thank you.
0: Holy cow. Uh, I'm cracking up. Cause so I interviewed him just a couple of weeks ago and like, I, I, you close, close your eyes. Uh, all right. So you're at, you're at Oregon state, you get some success there. And this, this, this Syracuse job opens up. Talk to me about the, the process of getting that role, right? How hard was it? How long did it take? How did you, how did it come a beat to be? Cause you've been there now 21, 22 years. Yeah. You clearly loved it, you know, right away. So like, what,
1: what was that process like? So, I loved everything about Oregon State. Right? We uh, we recruited. We we didn't recruit experienced rowers. It was all walk-ons. Uh, but you know, when when I first got to Oregon State, my first year, we finished third on the West Coast, uh, behind uh, uh, behind uh, Washington and Cal, but we were like twenty three seconds back. Right uh my last year there um we finished third on the west coast I think my my seventh year there we were like 1.6 seconds back of Washington 1.9 something like that um we were a little farther back my last year but we finished fourth at the IRA um all walk-ons all from the state of Oregon in the boat um and You know, you're you're kind of crossing that an opportunity came up and I think I'm a builder, right? I love the whole building process. Uh, I'm as shocked as anybody that I've been at Syracuse for 21 years because of that. Um, And I I got a call from, uh, you know, I I had the opportunity to do some national team coaching. I got to meet Don Smith, uh, Syracuse alum. uh, And, you know, he probably doesn't remember this at the time, but he came up to me at the IRA and introduced himself and said I should, con- I, I knew him, but he, you know, came up and said hello, and and he said I should take a look, and Tom Darling and Bill Purdy walked up to me at the IRA and, you know, said to take a look, and I don't know, something about it, you know, the challenge of it, uh, I got invited out on an interview. Um and walking around here, it, it was obvious that uh, I think that year Syracuse was in the fourth level final, uh, and I like a challenge. And I figure if if uh, in, any program that had the potential to be a grand finalist had probably fallen the furthest, right? Uh, and it was uh, it was just too good a too good a challenge, I think, to leave to somebody else to do. Um, tough decision again I love the guys I coached at Oregon State a lot of them are returning after we finished fourth at the IRA um, you know I, I think rowing was the administration at Oregon State was never going to get fully behind the program there um, yeah so I made the decision to come across the country
0: yeah uh, you know, I, I don't know about I don't know much about uh you know do you have a family do you have children um
1: at uh, time, no single guy long time partner but who's a professor here at syracuse but so so the decision I, I
0: asked that because it's I, I talk to a lot of coaches and it's one of the hardest decisions to do when you have a family or when you have you know a lot of responsibilities it's so hard to pick up and move that far i mean that's that's not that's not um, going from Oregon down the street to somewhere in Seattle. Like that's a, that's an easy sh- trip, but th- this cross-country decision, man, that, how many nights
1: of sleepless nights did you have thinking through that? You know, the move wasn't the issue. I, I guess I'd always been like, see new places, do new things, accept challenges, right? The, the sleepless nights, we're leaving the guys I was coaching. Yeah. Right. Yeah,
0: that, that's a That
1: was, that was the whole challenge. Right. And, and I'm still in touch with a lot of those guys and, and, you know, they're, they're important people in my life, but yeah, that, that was tough. All right. So
0: now, now we're in Syracuse. Now let's, let's, I got three questions that I want to get, you know, a little bit deep dive into Um social media has done a really great thing promoting the sport of rowing. Um, Mm -hmm. it's still nowhere near where it needs to be. Like, I I believe, and I don't think, I don't think rowing will ever be as popular as like college basketball or college football And, and Syracuse. I mean, holy cow, your basketball team's incredible. Um, but there's been a lot of chatter about Syracuse in the last couple of years. So my first question, and you, you had a great fall, a really good spring at the IRA. You're, you're, you're moving into this like metal discussion, right? Um, what does a perfect recruit look like for you? Like when you're looking at an array of, of of athletes, both coxswains, rowers, men, women, describe to me
1: what that what that athlete looks like. I'd say number one, they're excited about nine inches of snow. That'd be the first. Thing. <laughs> uh, no, I you know, I I think uh, I think we're all looking for for similar things, right? I, I think from from a there's the pure rowing standpoint then there's what I think are the difference makers, right? We're all looking for 6'2 or taller, uh, if not an ERG score under 6'20 or lower, uh, some sort of compelling reason that makes you think as a coach, hey, if you want to compete at the varsity level, right, and make a grand final, you better have guys that can go six minutes or under, right? If you want to win a medal, you better have guys, all those boats have guys that are low 550s, below 550, right? So there's got to be something about this kid that makes you think they have that type of potential. Erg scores, yeah, it's part of it, but we're seeing what I call the modern day walk on a lot in our sport, which is a kid that, you know, gets to his junior year in high school. He playing basketball, lacrosse, another sport, thinking that's his ticket to going on. And he kind of flames out on it because we don't see multi-sport athletes that much anymore. Tired of playing basketball all year round. So he finds his way to the boathouse, right? So he's he's got some size to him. He's been rowing for a couple of years, uh, one, two years, and may not have the ERG score yet, right? So how can you project those kids, you know, into a long-term development thing. I think the other thing, perfect recruit-wise, um, and I think this was different. When I accepted the job at Syracuse, I think there was a reputation that, you know, Syracuse was where you win if you couldn't get into anywhere else, mm-hmm. you know, and and uh, that dynamics changed, right? Like like we, the admission standards have changed at Syracuse over the time I've been here. And thankfully, uh, uh, you know, you you've got to you know, be committed to academics. It's a promise we make our recruits, right? If, if you're interested in excellence in three areas, character, academics, and rowing in that order, then, then we're interested, right? And, and uh, I, I think for selfish reasons partly, one is I feel a huge sense of responsibility to the athlete that they get more than just rowing out of their experience here, right? I think the second thing is um, people that want to do well in all aspects of their life for the type of people that are going to be successful rowing at Syracuse, right? Uh, it's cold sometimes, uh, probably not as cold as people think it is. We get a lot of snow. Uh, you know, we're indoors uh, for, you know, six to eight weeks, start of the term, Uh you got to like challenges. You, you've got to be serious about excellence to get through that.
0: So like, who's the, what's the college or colleges um, that you would typically lose your top recruits to?
1: Um, so, you know, that, and that's changed over the years, right? I, I think, uh, you know, the Ivies certainly, uh, you know, Cal Washington, certainly. Uh, seems like we're always battling with BU and Northeastern, you know, the, the lure of Boston, I guess. Um, Yeah. That's, that's pretty typical. We go against Wisco a fair bit with Midwest kids. Okay.
0: All That, that, that's kind of what I expected. Now, uh, you know, what I I started with the whole social media thing, Um, you know, your guys are really, you got it, you got a pretty unique culture uh, and it's, uh, it's changed in the last, five, 10 years. I mean, the the culture, what you, what I saw and what I've been watching lately is not the same. It was when I was recruited by you in 2005. Um, How much of that have you been involved with
1: on the social media promotion side of things? On the social media, virtually zero. Uh, I'm not a social media guy. Uh, You know, they have the NC two A has this thing called head coach control. So our compliance office says I have to follow my account on Instagram in case any violations occur. Okay, but but that's about the extent of my social media uh, that that I'm actively involved in. Have uh, we as a program made a decision uh, to you know actively promote uh, you know Jason Elifant uh, who who left this year to to go work at Cal. Uh, Was sort of a big proponent of that. Uh, You know, it was funny. You know, I I I always joke that I'm an old guy, and I'd come up with an idea like, "Hey, what about doing something like this on Instagram?" And Jason would be like, "Yeah, that's not really our brand," you know. And I'm like, "Oh, okay," Uh, (laughs) you know. Um, You know, the the whole culture thing was interesting. We so I, I I look at my time at Syracuse in sort of two phases, right. Uh, when I took over, we built. uh, you know, we had some good crews in 06, 07, uh, on into 08. It, it led to, uh, you know, a couple of grand finals in 2010, 2012. Uh, and then we kind of took a little bit of a downturn. Uh, you know, I, I think we, we tried to recruit, uh, you know, the best athletes we could get, kind of felt like, okay, we made a couple grands. We need guys that can get us to the medals. And and I think, you know, went for a couple more academic at-risk kids, uh, went for all in on on some bigger recruits. And, you know, it kind of backfired on us. I felt like we got away from that character academics first piece. And, uh, you know, guys in the program, I think, uh, you know, put out a lot of good effort during that time, but we didn't see the results, uh, third level finals, you know, one fourth level final, believe it or not, that was, you know, and, and after that fourth level final, I was just a lot of reflection, right? Like, like that's the programs capable of more. I had to decide if I was the right guy to lead it. Um, you know, that, that, you know, and, and sort of decided that that we needed to get back to, to what got us to those grand finals in the first place, you know and and recruiting kids on academics, recruiting kids on character first, uh, and then looking at the athletic stuff and, and that sort of started the current build, I think that we're still experiencing.
0: I kind of like that like uh, so to point it out, point the obvious out, you, you've been there for 21 years. So you, you had the ability, to like reflect on what works and what doesn't work, right? And and I don't know the number. I'm gonna guess and throw it up on the wall here and say the average tenure of a coach in college is probably seven years, right? Maybe nine is probably the average that we're seeing. Um, there's a lot of changing in the last three years, uh, but let's just assume that's the case. Like you you went you went through ten years of like this build crescendo, and then you went you flatlined for a while. Now you're building back up again. And just the fact that you've been there for a long time, you can reflect on that. You understand where you've made your mistakes and, and, and how to fix that. Um, well, it, it, it leads me to my next question is, uh, you know, yes, we joke that Syracuse is cold and we joke with the, the snow. I mean, I, I hear uh, John Titus went to uh, Pocock, went to Syracuse a, mm. a while ago and he told me snow banks are, are above my head. And I'm like, get the hell out of here. I don't want to hear that. Right. So. How do you carry the momentum of such a successful fall into a competitive spring racing season? And and let me point out, if you do really well in the fall, like, oh, I don't know, win the head of the Charles, or if you do really well at the Princeton Chase, does it create an ego that's not necessarily ready to race at the IRA? Uh, And then, like, how do you handle five, six months of just indoor training? answer
1: the question. Yeah. So, you know, again, I I think this is 36 years in collegiate coaching for me. Right. And, and I think if, if there's, I always tell people there, there's only two skills I possess that have had made me an okay collegiate coach. Right. One is I think I have an ability to dumb up just about any topic for collegiate age males to understand. Right. Whether that's training technique, you know, I, I think I'm good in making things simple. Number two, uh, I, I think I'm really good at learning from mistakes, and I've made a lot of them over the course of 36 years, and and uh, so I, I've kind of been through this uh, experience with expectations, right? And and I think last year we uh, we finished fifth at the IRA. Um, I I think pretty fortunate that all nine people are back this year from that boat. Uh, And so the conversation, you know, people, it was interesting, you know, after, after being the top college at the Charles, a lot of people were like, man, you guys must have really prepared for that. You must have been doing tons of race pieces, line up together for a while. And I was just like, nah, we just do our thing, right? Like, we did the same thing we do every other year. Uh, road pairs three times a week, eights three times a week, jump in the lineup five days, you know, get five practices in before the regatta a day or two, trying to figure out what cadence you're going to row and go race. And, you know, our, I told the guys when we came into the fall, uh, you know, there was uh, the, the year before uh, – we made the grand and finished fourth at Oregon State, was actually probably my fastest crew there. Uh, Joey Hansen, Olympic gold medalist, 2004. Josh Edmond, Olympic bronze medalist in 2008, were in that crew. And, And we know we had some talent and there was just, we had high expectations and there was this tension all year long. Every stroke we took all year long was like the whole world was resting on that one stroke. And, wow. and uh, you know, we had some good results, barely missed Washington uh, to to finish third at uh, at the Pac-12 Championships. And the IRA, we kind of didn't have our best racing, right? And so the, the talk with the guys this year was like, the guys, look, at, we're going to have plenty of time to get ready for the IRA. We just got to keep things light this fall, Right. We got to get in our mileage. We got to make the technical changes like we always do and uh, just concentrate on building a base uh, and doing it uh, while having fun with a light attitude Uh, and and eye on what we want to accomplish, certainly. But but let's not, you know, make this about every stroke have an undue importance to it. Right. Let's just do our thing. And uh, that was the focus the entire fall. It was a focus through our Florida camp. Um, just put in the work, make sure when the opportunity comes that that you're prepared for. Was that the first
0: time that you won uh, the Charles as a coach?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. And where does that stack up in the success and the successful years of your career?
1: Um, hey, you know, it was a great experience. Uh, you know, uh our, if you were around our trailer or saw our guys getting off the dock, they were pretty excited, right? And, and they should be. And and you know we celebrated it for a day and then got back to work. But you know no, nobody in my program has any illusions that you know the head of the Charles great accomplishment. But but that's that's not what we're here for, right? It's about sure. the IRA and our business. And and the guys knew that, uh, you know. I, you know, going into the race. So going into the race, it was funny. Um, we keep things pretty simple. You know, my my pre-race talk. Uh, there were four points I made. Three were mine. One, one was the guys. Um, you know, the mine were. You know, we wanted to feel like we were we were very connected on the drive. Uh, we wanted to feel like we were taking care of the boat on the recovery, you know, not taking any runoff it, keeping it up. Uh, and, uh, you know, we wanted to make sure we were really relaxed and just redlining the whole way. And one of the guys in our pre-race meeting, you know, they were talking and they said, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the IR this year, but nobody's really mentioning Syracuse. Hmm. And, and you know they decided you know whatever we do let's just send a message that we're in the conversation it wasn't win it was just let's just let people know we're still here right and that we plan on being in the mix come spring who uh just you tell know. you don't
0: tell me the name of the person but where did they sit in the boat was that like a was that a clear leader and that was at the coxswain was that you know
1: some random guy like three C, two C, like who it was actually two of them sort of talking back and forth right and and, in yeah I like that Um, and and, you know they they, yeah they they hit the dock and you know they were pretty excited I just looked at them and said okay message sent well done let's get back and get to work I like that all right
0: so all right so let's get to my last question and 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 you know, dive into this as deep as you want. I'm going to ask you some questions, um, yep. uh, you know, based on your responses here. But uh, since 2008, there's been three programs four coaches that have won the IRA and uh, you know, you're, 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 I'm going to say you're knocking on the door, but you know, your grand final did really well in the fall season. What does it take to dethrone one of those three programs? What is it going to take for someone other than, Yale, Cal, or Washington to win the
1: IRA? You know, so in in my mind, it's all about recruiting, right? I I think what's changed in my time uh, at Syracuse is is I think a lot of people have made coaching a more attractive profession. And I think there's a lot of really good coaches in our league. I, I can't think of a single coach in our league who, if you give them the talent, doesn't know what to do with it, right? They're they're all brilliant coaches and and can make anybody go fast. And and I think the separator is is the talent. So so the question that we try and solve every day is, is how do we make that next step? You know, we've we've made uh we've made the grand final the the last couple of years. The next step for us is how do we get into the medals or start challenging for the medals a little bit. And so we we kind of look at it as a as a year by year what's the next step for us uh we've been working hard on on recruiting and in trying to put the pieces together you know uh to me that's the main challenge uh you know coach elephant uh did a great job of sort of starting with the social media and getting out on the road and talking to kids and yep. uh Coach Walters and Coach Sears, my two assistants, are, are hard at work. Uh, you know, anytime there's a coaching change, you, you lose a little bit of momentum, but we feel like we're gaining that back. You just got to keep putting the pieces together, right? It's problem solving. Well, a, a, an obvious
0: an obvious uh, response is you got to recruit from overseas. You got to get more overseas athletes. And um, there's not enough American talent to to win the IRA anymore.
1: What do you, what do you say about that? Um, I say that I think people are looking at, to me, it's a numbers game, right? In, in this, we're trying to recruit the best athletes we can, right? And and we've had trouble landing the top U.S. recruits, right? I, I think uh, for whatever reason, you know, whether it's uh, wanting the academic challenge of the Ivies or, or, you know, the history of Cal Washington, to, to me... You know, there's eight to 10 real A-level uh, win the IRA type kids in the U.S. every year. If you can now look overseas, your talent pool just went up drastically, right? I, I don't think the overseas talent is any better than the top U.S. talent. There's just a lot more of it, you know, and and I, I know everybody wants to, okay, I'm going to get opinionated, <laughs> I, I hear this from a lot of people. Everybody wants to, to blame the U S collegiate system, you know, for some of the national team struggles and, Oh, these colleges, they're investing all their time in, uh, in international kids. And, you know, my top U S kid won a, a silver medal last year at the U 23s in the four width. He's a better rower because of, he rode with better athletes, right? Yeah. It, if, if, Sure, I would prefer to get U.S. kids of that level, right? Means less travel, <laughs> right? It's easier to do. But we go where we can get the talent, and you know, I, I think the bigger question is—is—and uh, you know—I'll probably get in trouble for saying this—is—is is taking a look at rowing at the junior level. There's some great programs out there, but but are we attracting top level athletes, and are we retaining them? No,
0: we're not. We're not. Rowing is not cool. I mean, come on. That's a cool factor is a big part of this.
1: Yeah, I think so. And and I think you know, hey, look at in the U.S. versus Australia, New Zealand, Great Britain, rowing's a higher profile in those countries. So you naturally get better athletes gravitating it towards. But but I'm not convinced that. You know, how do you keep kids around? They got to have fun, right? And and. You know, I I just think in the U.S. sometimes, you know, it seems like for a lot of programs, like it's a badge of honor to row in the morning. And sometimes it's out of necessity. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because the coach is some part time guy or or some volunteer that has a full time job. And that's the only time he has available. But you're probably not going to have a lot of kids in your program if you're practicing at 536 in the morning. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Preaching to the choir
0: here. I want to get back to this eight to 10, a level kids in the U S you gave a number. I've never heard that before, like specifically, you know, and, and obviously it changes every single year. Um, are the, are the kids 11 in your, in your using your fray, using your numbers, kids, 11 to 50, are they just, are they not trained well enough? Are they just not strong enough or dedicated enough to win an IRA? like is 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 that the the no assumption?
1: not not at all like, again i think what you're doing is is you're projecting uh kids that nowadays to win an ira i, I mean the, the middle four of the cowboat i average 546 right it's dirty fast yeah you know like like i they they have you know i don't know close to 20 kids in their programs six or under or somewhere around there um So what do you, how do you get a kid there, right? So it depends a lot on training program. If if you're looking at a 6'15 kid that's rode in a pretty good training program with a good coach and he's rode for five years, uh, you know, looks like his growth spurts over. He's not gonna, you know, all of a sudden explode um, physically. Um, Yeah, that kid has, you know, some potential not as much potential as a kid who's with a similar erg score relatively new to the sport maybe he just rose 12 weeks in the spring so yeah it, so i you know I, I i'm fond of saying you know when when i get asked questions by a lot of young coaches about rowing and i always say you know it depends right and that that so look at it this way Number of kids in the U.S. high school program that goes sub 610? Not many at all. At yeah. all. Yeah, I, I can tell you internationally, I, I don't know, 35, 40
0: kids. All right, so you're a data guy, right? I, and this, 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 I, this question just popped in my head. You, you got to, and I love it. I actually love this question now, the more I think about it. You got a 615 to 620 kid who's rode three or four years in high school. How much faster is he going to get by the senior year of college in your training program, on average?
1: How much faster? Twenty seconds. Twenty seconds. Twenty seconds. So I'll give you an example of a U.S. kid, my my kid who won a silver medal this past summer. Uh, ben Dukes is his name. He's from Loyola Academy in Chicago. Sure. Uh, yeah, I know the name. Yep. Uh, we recruited him. He was a six nineteen erg score when we recruited him. Um, Committed to us. Uh, I think his senior year, spring, he went 616. Uh, came to see he was a swimmer in high school, right? He he rode for 12 weeks in the spring. Uh, freshman year, he's now a 557, uh, and it's his senior year. Um, you know, kid with relatively low rowing mileage when we found him, obviously athletic. Um, that type of kid to me is uh you know a goldmine, right? That type of profile. Yeah. Um, we're seeing less and less of that in our sport. We're we're not seeing a ton of and I think that's to to the sport's detriment, right? We we've sort of bought in, I think, a little bit to uh sports specialization in rowing, and we're seeing a lot of kids that quit all other sports and they've been rowing full-time since their freshman year. I don't know if that's the best development model and I, and I think that's going to exclude some top athletes, right?
0: How hard is it for uh so like, you know, Greg I'm a I'm a product of Greg Meyer. Greg mm. Meyer is a product of Jabo from Wisconsin yep. and their model. And even Chris Clark, we I had a great talk with him last week is uh the recruiting on campus is dead. You you are not recruiting kids on campus anymore that can go out and win the IRA or at least be competitive with the IRA. Is that true? Is that a, is, is that a true uh, statement now?
1: If you rely totally on it, yeah. I'll tell you my experiences. I mean, at Oregon State, recruiting's problem solving. When I was at Oregon State, we did all on-campus recruiting, right? Uh, Oregon's uh, sports crazy place. Uh, a lot of them either go to University of Oregon or Oregon State if they're not playing college ball. Uh, if I wanted to recruit experienced kids, I had to look at Washington or California in state tuition at Washington, much cheaper than coming out of state to Oregon state. Mm. Uh, Same with California. If it's an A-level kid, they're getting scholarship from Washington or Cal. If it's a B-level kid, they can pay in-state tuition at either of those schools at best I'm getting C-level kids. So the best athletes I could get were walking around campus. Right. Uh, the, the state 3A basketball championships were held in the Oregon State Colise- Field Coliseum, 15 steps from my office. Right. So that's where we recruited. We sent, uh, we, we used to get the state high school play- playoff r- rosters mm-hmm. from a bunch of different sports. Anybody sure. senior over 6'2, send them something through their coach or AD. What I'm seeing now at, at, at Syracuse, we, we, I thought that would be a big part of what we did at Syracuse is walk-ons. And um, smaller school, you know, 11,000 kids, 11,000. Uh, not as many athletes. Um, I, a lot of the kids that you see on campus, if because they're not multi-sport athletes, they're not used to trying new things, Right. They're they're like, I'm a basketball player, I'm a lacrosse player. And you can tell when you ask those kids, you see a big kid walking around campus, and and you know, the 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 farm saying, you know, if you're a horse guy, would be these kids when you talk to them about sports, they've been ridden hard and put away wet, right? Like they just um you mentioned competitive athletics and their eyes kind of glaze over, and it's obvious that. You know, they've invested a lot of time in athletics and it didn't pay off for them. And they're not willing to take that risk again. Uh, that's what I see from from a lot of the, you know, big athletic kids that, that I see walking around campus. I still think you can get some kids maybe who, who matured late, uh, you know, maybe got a growth spurt their junior, senior year, a little bit awkward. So they, you know, may, maybe didn't have that high level high school athletic experience you can still get uh some six foot six two kids that are athletic that still have the fire burning but you know and and i you know i'm 5'10 so i you know i'm saying this against myself you occasionally see a six foot or six two kid in a top varsity boat you don't see it very often
0: right and I was, I, I, I used to believe like you can punch above your weight class, you know, and, and you, you can do that in high school. You can do that at like the dadville collegiate level where you get, you know, you're just, you're scrappy, you got a good, you got good mojo in a boat. But I guess like when you get to that IRA grand final level these days where most of them, I don't know the percentage are Olympic level athletes, right? Like the guys that are winning the top three, like first, second, third venture to say that 50% of those kids are racing at the national team level for their country, regardless of where they live in the world. Um, and, and the, I've never been good enough to race at that level, right? Like, I don't know what it's like. You you can't mistake. Yeah. Right. You can't, you can't have mistakes and it's power. Uh, you know, I, I got by in high school. I got by at collegiate level, like dad level. Um, Last, last thing for you, because you know, I like to try to keep these things within an hour. Um, I would love your opinion on whether or not we should remove those three or four or five schools that do the IRA into a completely different division so that you have the Cornells, some of the Syracuse, the B the Northeastern racing at a different level. And would it be better to win or is it okay to be 11th in the country? Do you understand my question?
1: Yeah, I do, and and I've certainly I've had conversations with alumni about all these topics, right? I I still have a lot of alumni that wonder why I don't just get eight kids off campus and go medal at the IRA, right? And and uh, <laughs> I, I is the sport. I would say is the sport about winning ultimately, right? I I think the uh, the sport to me is about the pursuit of excellence. That's what I'm that's what gets me out of bed every morning. You know, like like I I I can retire at some point just fine if I never win an IRA. I'm sure as hell going to do everything I can not to get that, you know, to to win one, but to me this the sports about bigger things than that. You know, the sport is about measuring yourself against the best and to separate those. No, and, and I'm, I'm not willing to concede that to them, right? Like, like, yeah, okay, the pattern, I know what the pattern's been, but I'm not willing like to that. concede it yet, you know? And, and to me, like, like I, I've had, I have a pretty high standard, right? And my job as a coach, is to get the absolute best everything my guys have out of them each year at the ira and and how many times does that happen in my coaching career i don't know four or five maybe right but that's what drives me as a coach is it's tough right i, I mean even even last year where we had a good year i can look back and say okay you know, we should have done that better. You know, we, uh, we could have done a little bit better here or there. Um, you know, we left a little bit of speed on the table. But like, I think you do that. It's, it, it's impossible in some regards to like, that's all we got, right? But, but that's what drives me. How close can we get to that standard? And, and I look at that standard, not just on a crew by crew basis, but on a program basis right What is this program at Syracuse capable of? right? And, and you can spend a lot of time trying to define that or you can get to work, right? Or, or you can say, what's the next step? right? And, and where we're at right now with the guys we come coming back, the next step is can we get in a position that we can challenge for metals that, that we can come home with some hardware and and you know, we do sort of organized around you know getting ready for that moment at the ira and making sure that we're coming close to excellence on the day when it matters
0: i wish i was uh i wish i was in a boat right now go for a row (laughs) get ready to race uh coach reichman this has been an awesome time uh i learned a lot about your history um and I think anyone tuning in, I think um, I think they're going to be excited to watch the Syracuse Orange men compete this year. I wish you all the luck. I'll be at the IRA cheering. Uh, I can't wait to watch it. So uh, this is episode five, season four. Coach Freshman, thanks for having me. Out.